Hi, and welcome to Happier Music Teacher. Are you a music teacher who has no time, no voice, and you kind of need to pee? I'm Beth Duhon. I'm a Christian, wife, mother, musician, and former stressed hot mess music teacher. I've been there. Join me every week as we work on easy micro actions so that you can be a happier music teacher. Today on Afternoon Tea, I'm talking with Beth Duhon about teacher self-care. In this episode, we focus on vocal fatigue, how to fit movement into your day, and then something that many of us struggle with, which is the thief of joy and talking about comparison. This is episode 148. So glad you're here. Self-care is a buzzword we hear everywhere. The way we take care of ourselves affects our everyday life, and I love the ideas that music educator Beth Duhon shares with us today. In fact, there were so many ideas given by Beth for self-care, so our talk is broken down into two episodes. In the previous episode, number 147, we touched on the acronym MAP, and Beth shared self-care ideas for professional and personal aspects, talked with us about the difference between self-care and self-soothing, gave us ideas for meal planning and lots of reminders to give ourselves grace along the way. If you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend that you go check it out. In today's episode, we are talking about vocal fatigue, how to get movement into your day, and why it can make a difference. And then something I know that I have struggled with and many teachers struggle with, which is comparison. We may also know it as the thief of joy because it so easily takes our joy when we compare ourselves to others. And then we talk about how to stay in our lane and focus on the task and the students and the families in front of us. Beth created a PDF document that you can use to make notes along the way as you listen to the episode or even as a reflection piece after you listen. So check out the show notes and the blog for that information. Here is my talk with Beth Duhon. Let's talk about vocal fatigue because this is one of the surest signs for me that I need to be doing something for myself, whether it's drinking more water or whether it's getting more rest. When my voice is fatigued, it usually tells me that my body is tired and I need to do something about it. So how do you, how do you care for your voice? So I am not a trained vocalist. And I think if someone heard me, they'd probably say, yes, you are not a trained vocalist. (laughs) We're aware of that. Um, I'm an instrumentalist, but I don't want to use it like a crutch. And I would notice that on Friday afternoons, especially when I had primary grades, I would just be so grumpy because my voice was tired. Uh, So a few things that I would do are nonverbals. I think your nonverbal game can be really strong. And I've major on that. I think it's powerful. Kids hear this steady stream all day long of teacher talk. And they just tune it out. I mean, we really are the Charlie Brown teacher. I think sometimes we think the sheer volume of our words, if we just say more words, they're going to get it and do more. And I sometimes think it's just the opposite. So I have a nonverbal um, stand-up symbol I learned in Kodai training. And then same for sit down. I, um, if they're not sitting right for cross-leg sit, I tap on my knee or give them a look. Uh, if they're breaking a rule, I don't want to say you are breaking rule number four. But I just point to the rule. It just seems so much more efficient. 
so much easier and it takes some of that burden off of me and helps save my voice. On days when you're especially fatigued, you don't want to over video. This, this week, I kind of had to over video on purpose. I was asked to share a program um, plus some other stuff about instrument families. So it was a lot of video and I don't enjoy that. That's not my kind of teaching. But when you are vocally fatigued, you know, a, a short, interesting video about something you're going to teach anyway, I think is fantastic. Singing with your students. Oh, my goodness. I catch myself doing it and it's not good. I, I, I say on the video, I used to do every round of Lucy Lockett. Why am I singing every round of Lucy Lockett? They know Lucy Lockett. They do not need me. And then as my voice is getting more tired, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, find the purse. I'm, you know, I'm trying to just help them, <laughs> help them find the purse in the room by singing with them and singing loud and soft. And it was just really damaging. I taught outside at the beginning of the year, which is a whole other thing. We were very COVID averse and we thought, OK, outside is going to be safer. Let's go for it. And there were actually some really cool parts about being outside, but I definitely needed a microphone mm. and I considering picking it up again. We, I just had a microphone in my music closet, wasn't being used, a little clip on that I put on beside my mask and then like a lavalier mic. It really did help. I'm considering picking it up again. It does not have to be some crazy, some crazy sound system that you're loud or you have to a lot of complicated tech. But I think for the students, we're muffled under the mask. Yes. It's tiring under the mask and it makes everybody more stressed and they don't even know why. So I think a microphone can really do it. I wait for silence to speak, which young teacher Beth did not do, but old teacher Beth will do. I have a cute thing. I have a class that's an ESL class and there's a challenging boy in there and, but he's a really good musician. And um, one of the things I got him to do to be engaged is come to the front of the class. And the first thing he said when the kids were talking, when he was trying to teach was, I'll wait. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that is straight from my playbook. Okay, you go. Good for you. So waiting and mean it. Some of the things, the teachers I see in the building where they're just raspy. Mm -hmm. If I even hear one kid kind of talking, I realize I'm having to raise my volume. If there's that classroom talking, no way. Yeah. And as far as yelling, you know, we've all been there. It, you're not winning mm -hmm. if you're yelling. You're not in control. And it might get what you want temporarily, but I don't think it makes them respect you more. I don't think it makes the environment better. You know, I'm, I'm not a soft touch. I, I don't let them walk over me, but I don't think yelling, like I said, I'm going to save my voice. Yeah. I'm not going to lose control. And I'll tell the kids that. I said, I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm, we're, we're going to do it right. Or we're going to do it twice. And I really toe that line. Um, staying consistent with it. Yes, ma'am. Now, like I said, with all our seven first days of school that we talked about, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I'm being more consistent than consistent can be. And still, it's a little challenging. But if you think about what they've been through, um, mm -hmm. I notice a lot of them are looking overweight that were not before. You know, um, a lot of them are looking a little bit more sluggish and drawn. And I just think they've had so much scream yes. and so much junk food and so much isolation. Yep. We're really a good place for them to be. It's so true. And even my kids at home, uh, they've had much more screen time than would have been typical a year ago. And we thought it was going to be a week. Right. I thought like, oh, yeah. yeah, we're stuck in the house. Go go for it, baby. It's going to be fine. And then it dragged on and on. And then, you yeah, go, well, what else can they do? What, what else do they do? And so, you know, with them 
yeah. And <laughs> my son is yeah. actually um, punished from screen time right now. Uh, we have a no C's rule in our house. So he came he, midterm, he got a low, he got a C, just a barely a C. And we told him he doesn't get any screens until yeah. the next marking period. We'll talk about punishing us. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> like we did not think that one through. Next time we need to pull something else besides, you're like, besides well, the screen. You're like, well, this worked for a week, but maybe now we'll shift to. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> We're going to do something else instead. Oh, I, I have noticed too. I, one of the things COVID I've learned a lot through COVID, I think we all have, but one of the things COVID forced me to do was because we were so insulated was every day, um, getting out somehow going out for movement. And that is one thing I've, I mean, I really enjoy it. A lot of people are like, Mm -hmm. ah, like it's, it's not something they enjoy, but that has been something really refreshing for me is getting up and moving. And in fact, my oldest daughter, because of this time period, one of the things we did was we made sure all our bikes were functioning and working. And so she's been still like today, she's even going on a long bike ride, and she'll even meet up with friends on the trail and then they'll go to a Starbucks kind of nearby. And, you know, it just becomes kind of a social thing. I, I think movement is also something that's really a great self-care. So I am not a skinny mini. Uh, I used to think of movement as a punishment. Mm-hmm. I would rather take a beating than go for a run, stuff like that. Um, and like I said, physically with my foot, I do need to be careful. I can tell. I, I can go out for an hour walk, but I may feel it the next day. So there's still some, I just need to be smart about it. But lately it has been such a good stress reliever for me. I actually crave it. And I think the big thing is just a shift in your mindset. Mm-hmm. I am not the youngest, but I can still move my body. You know, there's a lot of people who are not able to do that for whatever reason. So I am really fortunate that I get to, it is a blessing and a gift and I want to do that. And even when I get into retirement stuff, I do not want to turn into a chair. When I was less than teaching, we always joke that my backside looked like a chair because I've been sitting in a chair for eight hours. <laughs> so I don't want that to, to be my reality right now. Um, I'm having a little trouble getting back into the rhythm of it. I was doing great with it right after school. And I would just in my classroom, I have a nice large space. It's isolated from everybody else. I could just immediately after dismissal, put on my workout clothes do stream a workout, do it, and then go home. My son's childcare situation has changed. And I can tell that's a lot more of a challenge mm-hmm. because once I get home, there's a, I want to do everything else first. So I just think I need to discipline myself to just go straight to the exercise. Do not pass go and do it. We also talked about um, walking with a friend is cheaper than therapy. That's a great thing. When we were trying to conceive, I was um, walking at the mall, which sounds like such a t- terrible old person thing to do but I had a group of ladies that were just precious to me um we're actually a weight loss bible study and we would go to the Katie Mills which is a local mall all the way around is one mile so we would walk and talk and do our three miles and I always felt better I had talked everything there was to talk about I was sweaty I had checked the exercise box It's, it's just great just refreshing so it doesn't have to be crossfit I'm, I'm not a crazy CrossFit. It doesn't have to be a marathon. Now, if you are, that's great. I, yeah. you know, I mean, I think as musicians and also um, general music teachers like me, we move a lot. If you're doing it right, I feel like you're moving a lot. 
even when we're distanced and things. So I enjoy that part of the job. I think you're correct in that it's the reframing of your mind and how you look at it. Let's talk about one more area before we kind of sum it up. And I want you to explain what you mean by this and your action plan, the thief of joy. Ooh, so so, comparison is the thief of joy. And as music teachers, I love that Tracy King quote. I even put it in my bio that we're ambassadors of joy. And sometimes we're the only ambassadors of joy they see all week. Man, I feel for classroom teachers. They, with the pressure of the standardized test, with the scrutiny, with all the pressure they're under, I really, I have a sympathetic feeling. I am not one of those music teachers that is into classroom teacher bashing. I don't think that's where it's at. Since we are about joy, and music education, although we, we get it twisted, right? We, we think about the competition and who the performance, but really being in the classroom with kids, singing and dancing and playing instruments and playing singing games, that should be pure joy. Yeah. So I think a lot of times we suck the joy right out of it when we are um, comparing to others. And I am more guilty than anybody else. I was, um, we'll have our monthly district music teacher meetings And this is a lovely group of people that I adore. And I was always feeling kind of down afterwards and I couldn't put my finger on it. It's like, no, you're just comparing yourself to them. And they all have, you know, there is a lovely ORF-based teacher who has ensembles at a campus very similar to mine that I do not have. There is my son's music teacher who arranges her own pieces on the program and she edited the video herself. And mine, I asked the computer teacher to edit it and it was okay for Veterans Day. We got there. I thought we're okay. We're in a pandemic. We're going to honor the veterans, but this is, it's not amazing. So I just really think if you can just turn off that comparison. And when I was in school, our school programs were not on social media. The only way you would see it, if someone showed you like a grainy VHS tape of your school program, yeah, there's no way that with a click, everybody sees it and everybody has something to say. And oh, I could just pull type a little comment there yeah. about your program. Oh, good. Fantastic. Um, I mentioned the social media fast. That might be a little extreme, but I will say that we can curate our social media and you don't always have to look. So for me, like during homeschooling, you know, I had this um, friend who would post these picture perfect homeschool moments during quarantine and they were gardening and they were in the sunshine and the boys look cute and happy and well-dressed. I'm like, we are just barely hanging on here. This does not make me feel good. I'm going to have to, you know, block you for a little while and see you later when I'm in a better space about all that. Um, The other thing I'm thinking is that I'm going to call myself out on this is pride. And that's so harsh to say, I will not say it to anyone else, but I will say it about myself, you know, with my programs, especially when I first came to my campus or I was at my other campus or with my lesson students, man, I wanted to represent, I wanted my program to be the best program and be the best elementary teacher in the district and look at everybody. Here comes Beth Duhon. And it's not about me. So that pride piece is really kind of gross. If I really have my head on straight and I'm really serving the students, that's what it's about. And killing myself is not serving the students. Being trapped in the room with a tired, teary, worn out music teacher is really nobody's idea of a good time. So the more I could just 
I'm going to take care of myself too. And I'm going to do a program that is appropriate for my campus. And that's not lowering expectations. I have really high expectations for my students, I feel. But I do things that are more unique for us. Um, I write my own programs, which sounds really fancy. It's not fancy at all. Um, I just pretty much curate things that are from our resources that we have from like Music Play or EEMC, those type of things. And I curate it and write the loosest of scripts. And then I rummage around and what we have, um, we have a six year old school. So our attic is fun. Our closets are fun. You can find some fun stuff. And I'm just such a scavenger. I will just scurry around and find some old cast off thing to be part of the program. Or you put on your mascot uniform and hey, you're part of the program and everyone's excited to see the school mascot in the program, yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just, it looks different where we are. And so if your school is a Disney junior with all the lights and the props and the parent support and hours a day, and that is you and you love it. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, really, you do you. And if you are, if you are 24 and fresh out of college and this is your life and you, yes, uh, but if you are me and that's not how that works, it is totally okay to, to make it that way during the day, I think. Yes. Well, and you still make your job is important to you and music education for those students is important to you. So you're not letting them down and you're not saying, well, I'm only doing it for the money, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or for, um, yeah, I, I agree. Well, some of the things we have for kids, sorry. No, go ahead, Jessica. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying, you have to know your kids and what works best for your school where you are? For my campus environment, which is really sweet, it is um, in downtown Rosenberg. Uh, There are not a lot of means, but the kids are really good, sweet kids that I enjoy. But getting up there to perform in front of everybody is a risk. It's, It's a risk socially, you know, you might lose some cool points about it. So I really need to make sure that it is something that they're going to be okay getting in front of the other kids with, especially when it's third graders and the whole school is there and they're, they're performing in front of fifth graders. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge. And we take it for granted with the kids, but you put a bunch of grownups in front of people, it's just as challenging. So I just always kind of really cognizant of it as I plan and program that it's something that they feel comfortable with and you just throw a little candy in there so that they can they can feel good. Well, it's like you said earlier, eyes on your own paper. You serve the kids in front of you. That's and- a big deal. And I think if you're looking at everyone else and all their lesson planning ideas, it's a blessing that you can just go online and find amazing lesson plan mm-hmm. ideas or go in a Facebook group and you can just connect with somebody and ask them a question and in two minutes have a really great response about your teaching dilemma. That helps us feel less isolated. And I think that part of our community is great. But like I said, you just have to check your heart that your eyes are on your own paper. And really we don't, I don't know about your teaching situation, but like I said, mine tends to be once a week for about 50 minutes. If no one's sick, if nothing's canceled, if there's no assembly, if you add that up to the year, it's not a huge amount of time. So I have to get super clear on my priorities. I want them to have a beautiful singing voice. I try to do a lot of voice exploration. I want them to internalize steady beat. So I do a lot of movement activities with them. I want them to be good readers, but I don't feel like I have to 
produced by hand every reading activity. So the district provides musicplayonline.com, which I love. It's really such a good resource. We use that. But there's just not all the hours in the day. I, I, I listen to this other podcast that I admire so much and they talk and I'm thinking, I don't know how you get all this into a single class. And as I plan, you know, I try to over plan. So I'm not standing there with yeah. dead air, but I have to step back and look and say, is this realistic? Is this really going to fit into this 50 minutes? Yeah. And almost always no. So then I really have to cut the fat or put it in the next week and be realistic because if I'm just trying to cram it into the kids, cause we're going to cover this curriculum by golly, that may not happen. So I feel like I just have to be really the big rocks, the important concepts, the joy. Yeah. Be very well organized. Um, also, I think some of us, and I'm, I'm guilty for this. We want them to know so many songs. They don't have a really good depth of understanding of a song or they don't know the songs that well, mm. which keeps them from participating that confidently when we add something else to it. So sometimes less songs that you do more with. Yeah. Simplification. Big time. Simplify, but yet expand because you're it, lessening the amount of material doing maybe more with it. It's or, smaller, but deeper. Yes. Yes, exactly. So where do we go from here? Because you've given us so, so many great ideas for self-care, including self-soothing and just looking at social media time and our movement and our vocal fatigue, mealtime, our commute, rest. Yeah, I mean, there's so much good stuff. How how do we take all of these ideas and do all of them? <laughs> I would say don't do all of them. Yeah. Um, pick your biggest pain point and do one thing. Hmm. So if you are, if mealtime is a struggle, Pick one thing that you could do. This week, I will take a container of VH to school because it will be there. And I know I'm getting one serving of veggies a day. Get on your phone and order that mic from Amazon. And then when you get to school, use it. I think for me, you know, I'll get in these kicks where I'm just going to improve everything all <laughs> at once in my life. Yeah. I, I used to like draw my notebook paper and I would just, I would have every half hour blocked out between, you know, 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. and that's not going to make you feel good. Uh, like I said, if you have one to pick, I'm a big fan of sleep. Or if you have one to pick, I'm a big fan of water. And I know all this is obvious. I am not saying anything here that we have not heard other places and stuff. Uh, my sister, and my aunt were both saying, you know, this isn't just for music teachers. This is kind of an everybody at work type of thing, which I agree. Uh, we just have some unique challenges with it. But I would just pick one small thing and when you feel like you're securely doing that and feeling comfortable, baby step it and pick one more small thing that you really feel will help you feel better. And it's not about making yourself beat up or condemned or sad. Um, we are all doing the best we can. Mm -hmm. So just think about it. The other thing I will say, and I hope this doesn't sound critical of anybody. A lot of us have wonderful spouses and wonderful administrators, and even the best spouse in the world and the most good-hearted administrator, they're not always going to say, oh, you're doing less on the program? Good for you. That's great. More of that. Yes. Kind of, you know, keep cutting. They're not going to say that. So you have to find a way to be really firm in your convictions 
And like I said, not in any way shortchange the kids. I don't feel like my kids get shortchanged in any way. If, if I did, I wouldn't do it that way. But I am very intentional and very focused. So they just may not throw you a ticker tape parade. Your husband might be like, what do you mean there's no warm meals on Sunday? How is that? But you, if you just kind of set that up as your rhythm, yeah, I think that helps. Find ways that you can make those things work. And then, like I said, don't ask for permission. Make it part of your rhythm. I have a lot of rhythms, like I said, that we just, we don't take for granted anymore. Hmm. I get up at 5 a.m. It's a quiet time. I'm not doing schoolwork or housework. That's when I do my quiet time. And that's where I get ready for my day. Um, on Sunday afternoons, when I do that walk, I mentioned so many times, you know, no one here is like, oh, what, you're going on a walk? You never do that. Yes, I do. I do it for about an, an hour every Sunday afternoon. Self-care is such a wonky word. I don't know if I love it. Um, but it's not just a right, it's your responsibility. There are things, no one else can do that stuff for you. And no one else should do those things for you. Hey, I just got a really exciting text. We are getting closer to the hard copy version, the paperback on Amazon of Happier Music Teacher, 50 Days to Being a Happier Music Teacher at Home and at School. Of course, it's always available on F-flat books, and I hope you will support them in your mission if you want an ebook. But if it doesn't feel like a real book to you unless you hold it in your hands, I really can't wait to share it with you. I'll let you know when it releases. Thank you for listening to the Happier Music Teacher. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe and tell a friend.